Amen. What a good time of worship we've had already here at Foundation Community Church. Anybody glad you came to the house of God today? Hallelujah. A lot of things in this world make you feel all right. But can't nothing do you like Jesus. Amen. I'm thankful that he found me. He cleaned me up, prepped me up. If you wouldn't mind, Claudia, can you get my phone as well? Clean me up in the midst of my mess, my shortcomings, everything that makes me ugly. And he saw the good in me. He saw what I was made for. And he redeemed me. In spite of all the stuff, he redeemed me to make me into who I am supposed to be in Jesus' name. I'm not all that I'm going to be. But I'll keep working until Jesus comes or until he calls me home. It's what I do. It's what I'm called to do. He found me running after me. I didn't go looking for him. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood, his redeeming love. And I'm so thankful for that today. You might be in a situation in your life right now where you're doubting some things about all of that. That is a scheme and a snare of the enemy. We'll talk about it a little bit today. Pitfalls that he wants you to believe. He wants you to hear. But I'm thankful today that the battle's already been won. I don't have to fight it. I just got to live in it. His grace. His amazing grace. I'm going to finish up this series here this week. Tempted. I appreciate last week you guys allowing for me to just be myself. And that's one thing that I love about this church is... And be no fake love. Ain't that a song? Some of y'all young people know it, don't you? I don't even know it. I just know there's one out there called fake love. Four or five years old, maybe. I don't know. But here you get the raw, open love of God. Take me in my rawest form and shape me and mold me into what I need to be. <coughs> Hallelujah. I want to touch base on about four or five things that we've talked about the last couple of weeks when we talked about being tempted. About temptation. We talked about what is temptation and we said that it's a desire to do something especially wrong or unwise. And then we therefore define desire as being a strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. The enemy knows how to pry in on those things. He'll find you at your weakest. He's not going to find you at your strong point. 
Many people believe that if they're tempted, that they're sinning. Temptation is not a sin. It's one of the only things that the enemy can do to get you to fall from where it is that God wants you to be in life, in your Christian walk, as you make Christian progress on the Christian continuum. Temptation is not a sin because in Matthew 4, we've discovered that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And Jared, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. And the tempter came. So we are all tempted to sin because the enemy is real, but God is greater. And unfortunately, this flesh that we were born into, this carnality that we live in, and this world that we exist in, causes our flesh to have a tendency to sin. It's what we crave. My flesh craves sin. My spirit desires to please God. And that's the crux of all Christian living. Does my desire to please God and the one that is greater that lives in me than he that is in the world, can I allow him to be the formidable foe that overcomes the temptation that the enemy wants me to fall victim of? I live every day to please God. And in some way, shape, or form, I fail. And that's when the grace of God rushes in and says, I've got you covered. The tendency to, to, to sin, the, the flesh has a tendency to give in to temptation. James 1 and 14, 15, we read a few weeks ago. Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. That's your own desires, the one you gave into when the enemy dangled the, the bait out there for you, when he set the trap. God ain't setting the trap. God's not dangling the bait. God is all truth. The enemy is all lies. And they dangle the bait. Each per person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after the desire has conceived... That means it took two, you and the temptation conceived, it gave birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. This is all review for you from the last couple of weeks. Since it gives birth to death, you have no way to pay it, so Jesus had to go to the cross and pay your sin debt when He said it is finished. He paid a debt you could not pay. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Right. Last week we talked about everyone being tempted. 1 Corinthians 10.13, Paul alludes to it and says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. It's common. When I read that I think, well wait a minute, I ain't no different than anybody else. It's common to man. But I like the way that this verse tells us that no temptation has overtaken us, that we can overcome sin if we put our trust in God. We must align the desires of our heart, the desires that God has for our lives. Psalms 37 and 4, take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. Some of y'all need to make a heart 
uh, adjustment and align the desires of your heart with the things of God. Some of us, some of y'all, some of us, even me at times, even being born again, believer, Christian, Christ follower, I struggle with this difficulty of overcoming temptation. I said that the only way to resist this temptation, we started talking about ways of overcoming. Number one, you must be full of the Holy Spirit. No two ways about it. When I invite Christ into my life, I invite His Spirit to live in me. It's His Spirit that is present in this earth right now. Jesus is not physically sitting in that chair. And God came in the flesh as Jesus. God is a Spirit. He, he ascended to heaven. Jesus did. And His Spirit remains. When I become born again, I invite that Spirit to live within me. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I become the mouthpiece, the conduit, the witness. How many of you all know your witness is everything? Your witness is everything. If I'm anything, let me be a witness. It's everything. Might be the only... Bible, the only teacher, the only picture of God that anyone would see in a particular day. They're waiting to see how us, you know, the Christ followers, are going to react to situations. It's your witness, your testimony, your actions. Not always your words. We just use them, you know, when we need to. But I preach every day, and I use words when I need to. We must be clothed with power from on high. We talked about last week. Being clothed with power. Galatians 3, 26, 27 says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith, and all of you who are baptized into Christ have to clothe yourself in Christ. That means people see Jesus in you. Those of us who have committed to Christ by faith have committed to put on Christ. Put on His righteousness. Put on His truth. And walk in it. I'm going to move on to a couple important pieces that I want you to know besides being full of the Holy Spirit. That's not it. I've got to do something with it. See, there's a difference between knowing God and serving God. I don't just want to know Him. I want to serve Him. I want to be obedient unto Him. I want to submit to the will of God in my life. Not my will, but the will of God be done in my life. I want to serve Him, not just know Him. But what I know about Him makes me want to serve Him. I get excited about what He's done for me. He sent His only begotten Son for me, to die for me, to give me what I don't deserve, grace, and keep me from what I do deserve, mercy. That's mercy. And I'm so excited about the grace and mercy of God that I want to submit myself to God. All that I do, may it be for the glory of the kingdom of God. 
Not interested in what the world has to offer. I've fallen victim of, victim of that far too many times in my life. I'm the best of the best when it comes to giving in to the flesh. But I am an overcomer by the grace and mercy of God, and I will submit unto Him because He's been so good to me. The Bible tells us in James 4 and 7, Submit yourselves then to God. We'll stop on that particular part there and we'll talk about what it looks like to resist the devil. See, we're talking about overcoming temptation. I'm either going to submit myself to the temptations of the enemy or I'm going to submit myself to God because He's been so good. Submit means to obey. Submit oneself unto, put in subjection under, or to be under obedience or obedient to. Submit. Did you know this book called the Bible has 66 chapters? 66 books. It's the most archaeological supported history book in the history of mankind. It's real. You got to accept all of it. I like the way that Jared talked about grace today. So grace is New Testament. Hmm, is it? No. Christ came to fulfill the law and He brought grace with Him. Must submit to God. It doesn't say submit yourself to the flesh. Submitting to the desires of the flesh would be giving in to temptation. The Apostle Paul's always preaching about submitting to God. Read his books Ephesians, Galatians, Corinthians, Romans. Always talking about running the race, submitting to God, serving God, being holy, holy living, being clean. It matters. He gives us several clear examples of what it means and what it looks like. One of my favorites is found in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 11. Put on the full armor of God. Hmm. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. See, that scheme part down in there is where you fall victim to the temptation. He make it seem like it's something it's not. Just like the apple, you know what I'm saying. It wasn't nothing but an apple, right? That's all it was. It wasn't about the apple, it was about the obedience. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. This tells me in the commentaries and studies that I read that if we are to take on the full armor of God, we are in a state of warfare. Exposed to innumerable enemies, and if not called to fight, why should we then be armed? This is not easy. These schemes that the enemy brings upon us 
We are to put on the armor of God. Not put it on a shelf to display it like we do with a trophy that we might have won somewhere. But we're to put this on, this armor of God, so that we don't fall victim of the schemes. Ephesians 6 and 13, a few verses down. So that when the day of evil comes, when I was a young child, I didn't really know what that meant. That means when the enemy's scheming on you. That's going to be today. That was yesterday. That's tomorrow. That's until Jesus comes. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. It's a quote from some of my studies here. It is called the armor of God to denote its transcendent excellency and usefulness and that it is provided by His special grace. Hmm. The armor of God. Because of the grace of God... So I should be manifesting this grace then, right? So let's read it again. Put on the armor of God. We'll talk about it in a minute. Righteousness. You ain't got none of that without Jesus. Walking in all truth. You ain't got none of that without Jesus. You don't have any of this, you see. So you've got to put it on. The only reason you can put it on is because of grace. Denotes the transcendent excellency and usefulness that it is provided by His special grace. So then, should I just be manifesting grace in my life by doing whatever I want? Only maybe just loving my neighbor as myself or actually fighting the enemy? It's a little bit of both. Here's how I know that this armor is a gift that I can't buy, that I can't earn. Stand firm then, verse 14, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. I can't go get that. That's because of Jesus. So I'm going to fight with it. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. Because the Bible tells me that mine just won't do because it's like filthy rags. So when I accept Jesus as my Savior, I can now walk in His righteousness. I can't buy that. Right. See, I'm trying to fight the battle to, so that I can stand up to the schemes of the enemy because the schemes are where the temptation lies. And you see, I'm trying to overcome this and I can't co- overcome it with weapons that the world gives me. So I have to overcome it with weapons that God gives me. Yeah. And I can only get through grace. And then, righteousness is in place with your feet fitted. Can't preach on that right now. With the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, knowing everything is going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. Did I keep going back there, media team, or did I just stop right there? The helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Stand firm then. In addition to all this is the Word of... Did I stop right there? One more. No? And pray. I knew the prayer was in there. Pray in the Spirit. Hold on, Pastor. Last week you told me, you told me last week, you said your first point was, how do we resist temptation? You must be full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now, 
Yeah, that said that. Yep, yep, yep. Luke 20, 24, 46, all that. They waited in the upper room. Spirit came out. Go, go look it up and read it, y'all. Clothed in the Spirit. So now we must submit to God. And when we submit to God, it says that as Christians, we're to put on the armor of God. And the armor of God has things in it that I can't get on my own. That's right. So I got a battle to fight. I've chose a side. I'm on another team. I'm trying to win the war. Armor is needed for warfare. So I've got a battle I'm fighting. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy everything about me, my family, my church, the people I work with. He wants nothing good in this world. So therefore, I've got a battle on my hands that I cannot fight on my own, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, I can be righteous, I can walk in truth, and I can pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Here we go. This is the temptation. With this in mind, though, keep this in mind. Be alert of what? The schemes that Paul referred to in the other verses we were reading about. Be aware, be alert of the schemes and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That means pray for people you don't want to pray for sometimes. We all God's children. We don't have it figured out. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. Here, my, here, here go my line. How loving and patient he must be. Think about it. How loving and patient he must be. And I thank God today that He's still working on me. Keep on praying. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. If there's anything this world needs, it needs you to keep on praying. I believe that's why Paul kept it here towards the end of what he calls the armor of God. Keep on praying. Submit to God. Keep on praying. And if we go back to James 4 and 7, resist the devil. He will flee from you. So I know how to submit. I put that armor on. There's a lot of other ways. We could have a whole, a whole slew of sermons on how to submit. But resist the devil. Hmm. So does that mean I can do whatever I want to do and he'll leave me alone? No, that means I've got to resist him. He's coming after me. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. I've got to resist that by submitting to God. When I do... There's good news. He will flee because he knows he's been defeated. He will flee. Ephesians 6, 10 and 12. Kind of going backwards a little bit here to make all of this connect for you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take on the devil's schemes. Resist him and he will flee. 
James uses the word submit as it relates to God. That's that full armor, so you can fight the battle. And he uses the word resist as it relates to the enemy, so that he will flee. To resist is to exert oneself as to counteract or defeat. Resist means to withstand the force or effect of. Sometimes you see, uh, 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 we're going on a trip here this afternoon, and I will see several vehicles out on the highways that had been built in a way that they're aerodynamically able to resist the impact of the wind. Over time, they're built in such a fashion that it won't take its toll on the vehicle. It's the same way with the enemy. Put on that armor of God. Pray. Pray at all times. Resist the enemy. He will flee. You have been built in such a way that he must flee at the name of Jesus. That's how we've been built. Be full of the Holy Spirit. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And be aware of those vulnerable moments. Those times of vulnerability. I've learned to avoid those moments of vulnerability. The enemy will not come to you with big flashing signs and say, hey, go cheat on your spouse. That's not how he works. He schemes. I'm reading from the Word. He doesn't walk you into the bathroom and say, hey, take all of those pills. They're going to be good. They make you feel all right. Oh, he schemes. He says, you know, your back does hurt a little bit. Want to be all right. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this is, um, don't, don't take this wrong. We need medicine so we can feel better, right? That's what the Word of God's all about in the first place. That's spiritual context. But I'm just saying, he's scheming. I can flip on this website or this channel. It ain't going to hurt me just one time. I think I heard a stat the other day listening to a preacher said 65% of men within an X amount of time click on inappropriate websites that have sexual orientation and they know they shouldn't. 7 out of 10. Vulnerable moments. Scheming. He's been dealing with us on vulnerable moments since all of eternity since the garden. That's why Matthew 4 and 2 says after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Oh, then the tempter came. That's the next verse. He found him at his weak point. He found him in what he wanted to be a vulnerable moment and get the enemy to give in to temptation. Or get, get Jesus to give in to temptation. You know the story in Matthew 4 4. He says, No, we don't live on bread alone. I don't need to eat. 
Then he took him and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world, all of their splendor. He didn't know that he owned it all anyway. Well, he did, but he's trying to tempt him at his moment of weakness. But remember, we said, submit yourselves to God and the devil will flee. Hmm. Well, let's keep reading then, because in Matthew 4, uh, uh, 4 and 11, it says the devil left him. The enemy will flee when you resist him. Jesus gave us the example in a vulnerable moment. He fasted and was hungry. The devil left him. Discernment to recognize the schemes within these vulnerable times in your life. Not only will He attack you when you're vulnerable, but He'll also make you believe that something is what it really isn't. How do you think people are abducted? Many times. They scheme. Let's see, how can I get this person to come with me? That's why when you have little kids, you tell them what? Don't talk to strangers. Stranger danger. Stay away from white work vans with dudes that say they have candy. It ain't no candy in that van. He's scheming. The same way with the enemy. Stay away from the club. The club ain't all it's cracked up to be. I done been clubbed out till I'm blue in the face. It ain't what you think it is. All that glitters is not gold. He's scheming. Pastor said going to the club send you to hell. No, I didn't. The things that you do in the club might lead you to do things that will cause you to not go to heaven and go to hell. Maybe I should say it like that. You can't do what you want to do no more. He calling a fastball, he means throw it down the middle. Don't throw no curve. Baseball people get that. Touch on the nose means fastball most of the time with a bunch of other stuff with it. You know, indicators and all that stuff. Until they just hit and everything you throw, then you just throw your hands up and say, look, man, just try to throw strikes. Maybe we get lucky. We get hit all over the ballpark. The enemy will set traps in your life. In fact, I'm challenging you today, right now, to think where it is in your life that the enemy might be scheming. in your life that the enemy might be looking for that cracked door what is your weakness what are you vulnerable to you know because your flesh has a tendency to sin right it's going to sin in those areas of vulnerability and he's crafty man he's crafty I have fallen victim to the schemes of the enemy more times than probably you would like to think. But fortunately, grace allows me to overcome, man. 
I continue to win because of Jesus. If God is so good, it's like somebody buying you a new Lamborghini, but you ain't going to take it out and see how fast it goes. If the gift is so good, go use it. Go use it for what it's intended for. If you ain't going to drive the Lamborghini fast, man, I'll buy you a Malibu. It'll get you from point A to B. But if you got a Lamborghini, work that boy. If you got the Spirit of God in your life, use the Spirit of God to do mighty things on this earth. I don't have to submit to my call to pastor this church. But I do. I should be about three, four hundred miles down to, uh, Interstate 77 right now on my way to, to the beach. And if you skip to go to the beach, you still get to go to heaven, you see, but I'm just happen to be submitting to the call. Next week I won't be here, so y'all pray for me. Now Pastor Simon will be here. You know he'll get you now. He don't tell you like I do. Y'all think I'm raw? Wait till this boy get up here. I done seen and heard everything from him. He tossed the shoes out in the sanctuary one time. I don't even know what that was about. I wasn't there. I just heard about it. I just heard about it. Why don't you all stand with me, please?